Hello, I'm Jeremy McMahon, meditation teacher, Tibetan Buddhist scholar, and audio engineer. And welcome to Meditating with Friends, a podcast where we explore meditation through friendly conversation. Each episode includes a guided meditation that you are invited to join. If you enjoy this podcast and are interested in working with me one-on-one to help deepen your meditation practice, check out my website, jeremymcmindfulness.com. Now, enjoy the show. Hello once again, it is your friend Jeremy McMindfulness here with another episode of Meditating with Friends. I'm so happy to have uh, Brittany Mysick back on the show. Uh, so Brittany, of course, was on the last podcast episode, if you hadn't heard. And uh, Brittany is the founder and lead organizer for the Brooklyn-based organization uh, Meditating for Black Lives. And so we wanted to have her back on the show uh, to talk about the event that she's planning at the Brooklyn Museum uh, on Juneteenth this year. So Juneteenth is June 19th. And it is a holiday to celebrate uh, the emancipation and the liberation of the slaves in America. And we get a bit more into the specifics of the history in the episode, so stick around for that. Uh, And then along with talking about the history of Juneteenth, we also connected it with kind of the wider idea of liberation and how uh, discussed how liberation is, you know, such an important theme uh, in Buddhism and kind of the reason why we meditate <laughs> it's at least the reason why i meditate so we talk about uh liberation and the connection between the liberation of both the body and the mind which is something that i've thought a lot about um these past few years in kind of my own uh journey spiritual journey if you will uh so it's another fantastic episode i really love talking to Brittany. she always has great insights and i feel like you can he- kind of hear in our conversation like the gears working and sort of us both like i don't know gaining new realizations as we talk uh so i think that's super cool um just to mention there were a couple audio issues i'm not sure what happened but a couple points where i sound really muffled and and particularly when i'm talking about wilhelm reich which kind of breaks my heart because i love talking about wilhelm reich but don't worry i'm sure i'll talk about wilhelm reich a lot more in the future uh and just another note about this uh, we're actually recorded this um a while ago uh it's not coming out uh, this podcast is not coming out um until uh, about a couple weeks before the juneteenth event so you probably won't be hearing from me for a little while uh i am going to be going on vacation i'm going down south to work on my tan see friends and family uh you know that i haven't seen for a long, 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 long time. So, yeah. So I just wanted to make sure that this episode was ready and all set to be released while I was gone. So, uh, yeah. But anyway, another fantastic episode. Uh, stick around. I know you're really going to enjoy it. All right. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Meditating with Friends. Uh, I'm so excited to have Brittany Mysick back. Uh, how are you doing today? 
I'm so well. Hi, everyone. Yeah, it's such a pleasure to have you back. And I mean, I thought our conversation uh, last week was so great that like, you know, excited to pick it up again. And uh, yeah, I mean, so how has uh, meditations been going at uh, Swivel Gallery? So, you know, it's it's been interesting, you know, I think a little bit more intimate than what the park mm. was able to to hold space for, even though the park felt quite intimate. I am, though, very much looking forward to getting back out in yeah. the parks. I will say that uh, there's nothing like communing with you know, nature. Mm -hmm. And also, I, I think we may have touched upon it uh, last week, but just the limitations that come with being inside yeah. of a space, feeling contained, yeah. um, not liberated, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to joining you outside as well, uh, though the, you know, the meditations at Civil Gallery have also been uh, really wonderful. And it is, mm -hmm. you know, it's it's nice to, to mix it up. It's sometimes nice to meditate in a smaller group and sometimes in a bigger group. Um, but yeah, but I think, yeah, the, the park when it when uh, the weather is right, like nothing really beats that. I know. And, you know, although I will say I love, you know, the space at Swivel Gallery has just been very conducive. Uh, the owner, Graham Wilson, he just did a really great job in, uh, in, you know, providing a space and making a space for meditating for Black Lives to be there and for the people of the community, um, myself included, to have really wonderful sits. So it's been really nice and sort of calming. There's an orange light mm. and lovely blue cushions and conceptually we were thinking like sun or like warmth of the sun mm -hmm. with the orange lighting and sort of the swivel of the swivel gallery of the walls uh being like the river with the blue cushions anyway mm -hmm. yeah. um, it's, it's a massively conceptual piece <laughs> that i am so grateful for but um absolutely looking forward to the actual warmth of the sun and nature, even though right now my allergies are kicking my butt. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's uh, every, everything is always a mixture of positive and negative. Right. And that's just, that's just how life is. Uh, it's the balance. It's, truly. It's the, it's the balance. It's the middle way. And yeah, mm -hmm. it was funny. I actually, when I was editing our last episode, uh, you were, you mentioned something about how you sometimes feel like a Libra. And I was like, I'm a Libra. <laughs> and, <laughs> and I often think about like, am I just a Buddhist because I'm a Libra? And like, <laughs> you know, because like, since it's all just such about balance and the middle way between extremes, I'm like, is that, is, is that, is that why I'm really a Buddhist? Is it just because I'm a Libra? But, uh, but I'm, I'm glad to hear that other people besides Libras are Buddhist as well. <laughs> yes, I'm. I I was sorely disappointed. I, I think I might have mentioned that when I realized I was not a Libra. Um, I'm not a Libra rising. I'm a Scorpio rising. Uh, and I was off by like 12 minutes. And so now that you posit this theory of Libras possibly being um, Buddhist uh, or being more conducive to, to the, re the religion, I'm like... <laughs> this is one more one more thing that makes me sad for not being well i mean if you're 12 minutes off i mean uh, i guess um i can speak for the council of libras uh, but, uh <laughs> i would i would consider you a libra uh <laughs> oh, thank you an honorary an libra. honorary libra for sure um 
So one of the reasons why uh, we wanted to jump in and do another episode is because uh, you have an event um, that you've been planning for the Brooklyn Museum um, surrounding uh, Juneteenth. And uh, I was wondering if uh, at first maybe you could talk a little bit about Juneteenth just for those people that uh, aren't aware of what it is and then uh, talk about uh, the event that you're going to be having at the Brooklyn Museum. Sure. So I, you know, I guess I, I could read the Wikipedia, but I mean, check out the Wikipedia, even though that I I would say that information there is a little bit um, tainted and biased, as we know that a lot of uh, contributors are not people of color, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean they're not experts about um, this day. And Juneteenth is really this celebration day. I'm speaking from a very personal perspective, because growing up as black American, we would often just like, have these big, it's sort of like a black Americans 4th of July. And uh, truly it is, it's our emancipation day, um, at least in the United States. And then more recently, as I've gotten older, I've actually looked into the history of, you know, Juneteenth. And really it was when the slaves in Texas realized that they were free. So everybody else was free and um, they didn't know. So that just goes to show. Yeah. I mean, it's like, I'm still trying to reconcile with this, like the truth. The reality is like, it's not actually emancipation day for, um, you know, all of like emancipation proclamation Mm -hmm. day or whatever. Mm -hmm. Uh, when Abraham Lincoln signed, um, the emancipation proclamation freeing the enslaved. Um, however, it's like just Texas, just the people in Texas didn't know. Yeah. Um, and you, we think about, I don't know, I, it's, it's hard for me to reconcile now because I think about how quickly information disseminates and mm-hmm. how much knowledge is liberating and these people were enslaved. So um, it is a tradition, uh, a historical tradition, I think, in a lot of black American communities to celebrate in general the emancipation it's it's, Juneteenth is seen as the general emancipation of enslaved persons in this country um but I think quite telling the truth is that um we know that just simply is not true now uh now that we're made more aware of the actual history through Mm -hmm. more information (laughs) through being made more aware um I don't even think my parents know that I think you know if I went back home or even Maybe some, I have family in the South, so they might actually know mm-hmm. the real history, but I, I, I would um, wager that they may not yeah. and also see it as just like this, the 4th of July for black people. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, that's, that's really what it's about. Um, I'm sure there's some much more detailed about that, but it's also the celebration of like black joy and liberation and freedom, but really the freedom of all people, this, in, this, uh, ended uh, Juneteenth can be seen as um, an actual Fourth of July. I mean, uh, yeah. <laughs> if for American history, if we if we want to think about it this way, I'm talking this through with you now. But you know, we celebrate Fourth of July and then you know the the freedom mm-hmm. um, from the British. But they these people weren't enslaved. They just didn't want to pay fucking taxes. Excuse my language. <laughs> That's fine. Um, like I don't want to pay taxes now. So who like, wants to? Right, considering that um, you know tax day was what yesterday mm-hmm. um or whatever for new york um you know we have these issues currently still with taxes right uh does that emancipate me from the state mm-hmm. uh from the federal government absolutely not um but here were people who were actually enslaved and 
it ended um, chattel slavery in this country. Mm. Um, and so I think even though we can get into um, how, you know, people in Texas didn't actually know that they were free, that we still have people who are mentally enslaved. Um, we still have forms of the um, ens enslavement here in this country with the carceral state. I mean, there's so many variations of that, but like truly emancipation in this country came, I would argue, through this Emancipation Proclamation, Juneteenth should be our real 4th of July, yeah. um, because it's not just the freedom f for enslaved persons. It's like literally uh, that whole master slave dialectic is just um, at, that's like the precipice of when we're trying to of of our future now yeah. of trying to um, abolish in, in enslaved mindsets, enslaved uh, people um, and persons. Um, yeah. So. Sorry if that was like a little no, bit. No, I think I think it. yeah, I think you you uh, yeah you covered all the major points and a lot of ground. And yeah, I mean, I was just I was reading the Wikipedia page before I hopped on the call, and uh, yeah, it was like J Juneteenth happened like two years after the Emancipation Proclamation. Yeah, you know? it's like that's so mind blowing to think that a message as big of a deal as that would take two years. I mean, I know they didn't have email or whatever, but like, <laughs> but then it would take two years to get, to get the message to, to Texas. Uh, it's just, just, yeah. Like you were saying is really like something to reckon with and pretty like, yeah, pretty mind blowing and hard to conceptualize. It's, it's so hard to conceptualize, especially given our historical context where we are now. And I think also like, I don't know. I, you, you have to argue not just like, or you have to, at least for me, I, I have to think that there was active suppression mm. happening, yeah. right? Because like, I imagine, okay, I'm free now. And maybe it didn't go down like this. Obviously I can't time travel. Um, only in my mind when I see the <laughs> Wait, meditation. You can't? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I mean, um, I haven't reached that level of John okay. yet. So um, we'll get there. <laughs> thanks. I'm hopeful. Um, but that, you know, people were like, you know, I'm free, like, bye, peace out, deuces, wherever. And I'm trying to travel throughout. And this is like, you know, manifest destiny has happened. Mm -hmm. There's expansion to the West. You know, my family, a part of uh, the his the historical legacy of Black Cowboys. So there are the people going out and like being pioneers. Mm -hmm. It's not just uh, the the Donner Party or yeah. whoever. Um, and so you, you have to imagine that there were enslaved people formerly enslaved persons who were traveling west, leaving, you know, Mississippi, Georgia, the Carolinas and heading west. And they were actively being suppressed. Mm. Um, or if not the case that maybe because Texas is one of the largest, larger states in the in the union, that there was actually in people still being enslaved or um, what we come to know as like um, de jure in, in, uh, or what is it, uh, sharecropping mm -hmm. and all of these things um, happening like almost immediately. And, you know, we think of structures. It's also hard for me to conceptualize people in Texas waiting two years mm -hmm. um, because one, I can't wait two years for much. <laughs> uh, like we don't want to wait another year of coronavirus. Right. So imagine waiting two years of, and being like under chattel slavery like being brutalized mm -hmm. is is hard but also like systems don't just like oop one ends and now we're in a different one you know we're seeing this with i think our current environment with political environment and also the ramifications of covid19 like things slowly mutate and morph into something else um it just 
we don't just get to say, oh, COVID's over yeah. and now everything's back, right? We see slow transitions. Um, and so maybe in that two years, it's possible. And, you know, I'm not a historian. I don't know. So any historians out there, please, I, I would love to uh, be uh, informed and made aware um, of how people actually became liberated. Um, because I imagine even in places where it was, you know, known that it was abolished, that it took some time. I mean, I, I guess I was thinking about it like symbolically and like, and I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to say this in any means to like, to cheapen like what those enslaved people like went through or, um, <laughs> but just thinking about liberation and, um, and just how like they were already free, but they just didn't know it, you know? And like how just that one piece of information, that one insight, I mean, it's not really insight, but that piece of information brought to them, liberated them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think that's, I, I just see that. It's profound. Yeah, it is profound. And it's like, I mean, I think you can make a connection to, you know, Buddhism because like it is, you know, you're, you're using your knowledge, uh, and your meditation practice to gain that piece of information that lets you know that you're free. Yes, and that, absolutely. And that you've always been free actually, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so I think, Maybe Juneteenth should become a Buddhist holiday. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm listen, I'm 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 with it. It should become a national just like reckoning of peace, of of per, like individual personal liberation, yeah. right? Um, for everybody, not just of the state, not just of a, a, a systemic oppression, but really this tr like it's just one piece of information um, that you can use then as a tool to a, just like you said, be free. Yeah, right. Like you've always been free, like to be made aware of your own capacity to be free. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And, um, this is really reminding me actually. Um, so my roommate is Jewish and, uh, I generally celebrate the, uh, Jewish holidays with them. Uh, and so we did Passover this year and my roommate Abe is, uh, very leftist and, you know, very much, you know, in support of, uh, freedom of all suppressed people. And when they present Passover and we're reading the Seder, it's very much like kind of in that lens of like the liberation of, of the Israelites and trying to bring that out to, to all peoples. And there is a quote that they had used, um, talking about the interconnectedness of liberation and how like how you can't truly be liberated until everybody is liberated. Yes. And again, that just perfectly fits into the idea of Mahayana Buddhism with uh, mm -hmm. the ideal of the Bodhisattva and the great enlightenment that, you know, you take a vow to, become enlightened so that you can help all other beings become enlightened and that nobody is really enlightened until everybody is enlightened. Yes. I I'm, I'm, I'm like, the more we talk about this, I'm just like, this should really be. A yeah. holiday. <laughs> I think so. I think so. I mean, if not, if, 
if not officially, uh, you know, we can, uh, we can celebrate it as a Buddhist holiday. Mm-hmm. Because it's so true. I mean, like, and this is why I say, like, it's not just for black Americans, mm-hmm. right? Um, because, yes, you know, if one person is enslaved, we're all still in- enslaved. Or if one is in change, we're all in change. We're only as strong as our weakest right. link. Um, and so even the slavers were yeah. enslaved. I mean, they were enslaved in the construction of this yeah. system. Um fully dependent on this system um, and fully dependent on hatred uh, that fueled the system. So there's like so many levels of mental um, enslavement, like free yourself. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, No, I, I, I totally agree with that point in that, that relationship is, you know, not good for anybody. (laughs) You you know, I mean, of, of course, you know, it's, certainly not for the enslaved people um and all the the absolute horrors that you know that they had to go through but i mean just the dehumanization to like uh to even consider that you could own another person i don't know i was like even uh, when i was reading the wikipedia and uh looking up juneteenth and then i went to chattel slavery and just the way that they were talking about it and i was just like (laughs) i was like i can't I can't believe it. I like, I just can't believe it. And I mean, I know it's true. I know it happened, but it's just, it's, it's just so hard to wrap your mind around. It's jarring. But like you said, in, you know, with Buddhism, it's like how, I mean, the liberation of one could liberate us all. I mean, it's, it's grotesque, but like, I don't know. It's how do we, how do we create a more just and equitable world without, this information, right. right, of this grossness. Um, sorry, I, I don't know if you can hear all of it's the fine, chaos it's that's fine. going. It's a, it's a warm yeah, day yeah, it's, here. It's so nice now. So, so naturally, but um, you know, I think that grossness, that like you know, clicking. I mean, the rabbit hole of Wikipedia is yeah. its own uh, thing to talk about. But you know, understanding like chattel slavery as the primary modus operandi of enslaved persons here in America is super important to, I think that liberation of all people. So one, a, we don't do it Mm, again. Of course. Right. We, we need to understand. And I don't think a lot of people understand part of, it wasn't just like freeing, um, you know, the physical bondage of African descended people, but also just like, like chattel slavery. is So I, for lack of better words, bizarre. Um, it truly is a cruel institution. And, um, I mean, I'm a vegan, so it's also that way. I mean, Buddhism. Hey, I was like, Buddhism would argue the, yes, it's just probably up there with killing, Mm -hmm. right. And stealing Mm -hmm. two of the most, um, grievous offenses. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot to take. And, but I think like awareness is, is so important here and it's like awareness of course is like we're always talking about it in meditation and a meditation aspect but Mm -hmm. i mean just awareness in terms of like knowing this information like changes your perspective on a lot of things like just a simple act of knowing it's like not even doing anything necessarily with the knowledge but i i just believe like the simple act of knowing will like fundamentally change you and your actions Mm -hmm. and i I personally think, you know, for, for the better. So. Right. I mean, it's like, even with, you know, to bring it to meditation, it's like when I know 
one, I just know fundamentally like sitting will be mm-hmm. good for me. Yeah. Right. Um, and so I don't really know how, I don't really know what to do with uh, that information other than to okay, just do yeah. it, you know? And so it's the same with, I think what we're saying with regards to understanding the legacy of enslavement here in this country and, you know, by preserve, uh, observing and honoring Juneteenth as a, as a celebrate, you know, something celebratory that you don't necessarily need to know what to do with chattel slavery or all of the ramifications, but there's just that little bit of awareness. I, it's, I mean, I feel like this is such a, probably out of my, um, out of my purview of knowledge because it's so abstract and so lofty, but like you said, just a tiny bit of information can open, open you up to, to so much more. And in that openness is the liberation. That openness is the freedom of mind, which can translate into freedom of body, right? You move accordingly once you have more information. Yeah, definitely. Or maybe you get more, I, I try, again, I try to think about um, it from an enslaved person's perspective because, so they get that bit of information, mm-hmm. right? But did it actually liberate their minds mm-hmm. as much as it liberated their right. bodies? Or did, like, which came first? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. And I think about with meditation and like just even Buddhism and practicing Buddhism. Like what do you know, they talk about um, when you talk about the three, I've, I don't know what it's called, but Sila, um, Samadhi and Panya. Mm-hmm. You have to have like this very deep, real tethered sense of uh, morality, right? Yeah. Like you ju- Or like going, going for refuge. You just can't say like, oh, I know this information mm-hmm. and you can't just uh, passively do it right. either. It has to be, I don't know what it is. You, you might know better. Um, I'm actually not so familiar with that. It's be, Theravada. Yeah, because it's yeah. Theravada. But like, I mean, Samadhi is, you know, the concentration. I mean, I think what you're getting at is that like, you have to actively kind of put yourself into these things, right? It's it's not mm-hmm. like a passive thing. I mean, we think of meditation as being like the most passive thing in the world, but <laughs> but uh, as you and I know, uh, both from experience, it's really not. You know, it's so hard. Yeah. But so is our like our our individual but collective liberation, and we know that, right. right? Like when you're trying not to, when you're trying to be a better human, it all of a sudden you're just like, wow, I have all of these challenges, I have all of these obstacles, and so when I think about the liberation of enslaved persons and in particular on a day like Juneteenth it you know I do wonder like the chicken or the egg did their minds become liberated mm, first yeah or was it just their bodies um well I and like how do they know because sometimes for me it's like I might conceptually intellectually know uh to do better right, right? but physically I'm still enslaving myself yeah. um and that has mental ramifications, right? So you're, it's like the cyclical processes. Or sometimes I might be, f- like, I consider myself physically free mm-hmm. uh, within reason in this country, but um, physically free here. But then I'm still under the conditions, like just even saying um, relative to the, my position in this country as a, as a mental enslavement mm-hmm. that I've ascribed to either just because I, that's the script I've been given or the societal conditions I've placed them on me. Liberation is yeah, hard, man. Well, it is. <laughs> it's hard work, but it's like, what else are we going to do, right? <laughs> what else are we here yeah, to do? Yeah, I know. Do? That's how I feel. Like, you know, taking like, you know, I have formally taken the Bodhisattva vow, you know, uh, not to brag. I'm really not bragging saying that, but like, 
But in my mind, I was like, yeah, what else am I going to do over countless lifetimes besides like try to save all sentient beings? Like there's nothing better to do than that. But, oh, I was like, that's so <laughs> sweet. Um, but what you're the point you're making about the body and the mind. And I mean, we still haven't actually talked about what's going to happen at the Brooklyn Museum. So I do want to get to that. So, so I hope yes. to not take too long. But th- that is something I've been very personally working with in terms of like well not only tantra but actually my one of my main practices over the past year and a half has been this body-based psychotherapy practice called Mm -hmm. bioenergetics um which stems from uh this psychiatrist named uh wilhelm reich uh who was he was a student of freud and he but then he became a marxist uh and he was like kicked out of the psychoanalytical um (laughs) group or whatever it was called the official one Mm -hmm. and but then he wrote a book called the mass psychology of fascism and he like talked bad about stalin in the book and so that so the communists <laughs> kicked him out, you know, and then like, and then if he was in Germany at the time, he's an Austrian, but then he was in Berlin and then he had to leave because of the Nazis. And then he like to America and he was kind of always like persecuted. And he's actually one of the only, if not the only person who the federal government has actually burned his writings. Um, but <laughs> to back up, uh, this, I'm just kind of obsessed with Wilhelm Reich and I love talking about him. If- yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I'm learning right now. I'm like, okay. I mean, I it was familiar. I think it's like the Geneva circle possibly is what, or whatever the, and it's school. Maybe it's not that, that might be math or physics, but. Um, it's like the Vienna's. Yeah. The Vienna yeah, circle yeah, there. Yeah. There you go. But um, he, I mean, it just to try to summarize the connection with the body, it's like, you know, Freud was like, there's an unconscious, right? And but he never like explained what the unconscious was. And Reich was like, well, the unconscious expresses itself in its in the musculature of your body. And Mm -hmm. you can't really address your neuroses and your neurotic tendencies without addressing the tension that's in the body. Mm. And so to me, when I found that, I was just like. Yes, like, because I feel like I've tried to mentally, I've just tried to intellectually and mentally improve myself so much. And it's just like, there's just some block and I just, that you can't, you can't think your way out of it. And I think this goes back to meditation too, because again, like for years, I thought I was just going to be like a Buddhist scholar and I didn't actually consider myself a Buddhist. And I was just like reading about like Buddhist history and Tibetan stuff and like, yeah, weird, obscure Tibetan cultural stuff. And, uh, Mm -hmm. but then, you know, I realized, you know, that's not getting me anywhere in terms of my own like spiritual liberation, you know? I mean, it's informing it, but it's like, you have to get into the, to the experience and embody it. Right. Yes, yes, absolutely. Become a one with it, if you will. Yeah. Um, so the, I mean, in my, I'm going to talk about this more in future episodes too. Uh, but I do, in my mind, bioenergetics and that practice is very much, I think it's pretty much the same as mindfulness in a lot of ways, except you're just mm-hmm. holding your body in like particular 
stretch positions essentially uh, and breathing okay. and feeling the body that's that's basically it mm. and it's it's a little different than yoga in terms of like i feel like yoga at least whenever i've done yoga i'm always like i gotta get this position right or else i'm a bad person you know uh but yeah. this is more like you kind of just naturally listen to your body and put yourself into a position where you're definitely stretching but you're not like overdoing it and you just breathe and feel the body and notice what comes up what what tensions arise and what um yeah what tensions arise and where you know you'll get tingling in your arms and in your feet and things mm-hmm. like that so uh again that's just a little teaser for the bioenergetics so definitely going to talk about it more because i i am uh training actually to be uh a teacher of it uh, uh oh, wow. so you know if you'd ever like to try it um i'd, I'd certainly yes. be happy to uh lead a session with you sometime Oh, that would be um, great. But yeah, why don't we talk about, well, yeah. So again, body and the mind, uh, so, so interconnected. And I guess just to wrap up too with that, um, I mean, I, Buddhism teaches, you know, this idea of the precious human body and how mm-hmm. the human body out of the six realms of existence, which traditionally in Buddhism are, there's the realm of the gods, the demigods, humans, uh, animals, hungry ghosts, and hell beings. And the only mm-hmm. one of those beings that can actually achieve enlightenment is, is the human body. Uh, so in my mind, the human body is fundamental. I mean, I, Buddhism talks about mind all the time, but like, I think the, the human body is fundamental to the process too. Absolutely. I mean, it is through this vessel, right? That you can achieve potential enlightenment so there's some significance there yeah and that's why i mean most religions frown upon suicide um but uh buddhism really does because it's like you've just destroyed an opportunity for for, to become enlightened you just like wasted it so Mm -hmm. yeah precious human body is a very very important teaching uh, in buddhism uh, but why don't we, uh, yeah, why don't we talk about the Brooklyn Museum? And uh, I mean, I, I don't think you've even told me yet what's going on there. So I'm just excited myself to hear what's what's going on. Yes. So Brooklyn Museum, um, well, Meditating for Black Lives will be hosting a meditation at Brooklyn uh, Museum awesome. on Juneteenth. Um yeah, dusk. It's going to be so, so exciting. Um, it's in commemoration um, in honor of this holiday um, because I think, you know, Brooklyn Museum, along with Meditating for Black Lives, recognize the intrinsically linked connection between, you know, the liberation of our minds, if you will, to the liberation of this precious mm-hmm. human body. Um, and so it will be in front of the, the steps oh, cool. or the fountain. Um Yes. And we were there last year, not for Juneteenth, but I think sometime in October, but we'll be there this time for Juneteenth and it will be uh, quite the celebration. There will be a guitarist accompanying the um, meditation. And so, yeah, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to having this moment of reflection and contemplation again, as I mean, we started the conversation, I think quite often about, um, just like wow when i think about juneteenth like my mind immediately time travels to like what were they thinking um a lot of you know a lot of what we discussed like so many i find myself with more questions and 
you know, meditation, contemplative practice in general is a good opportunity to mm. reflect on that. But aside from, from that, just being more mindfully aware of uh, the intergenerational historical, what is it called? Historical mm -hmm. trauma yeah. that we all carry um, and to become more aware mm. of ourselves, um, where we might be acting out of an enslaved mindset um, and, and treating others maybe not uh, necessarily as other precious light beings here on right. this planet. So um, I'm really, really excited that we can do that and, and to make that connection with Buddhism and a black American culture here in the United States and just American, really, truly right. American culture. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to that event. And uh, do you know what, do you know what time it would be? Yeah. So at like six. Okay, cool. Cool. Six on Juneteenth. Yes. I mean, and there's the whole art perspective though. We didn't, we don't have to touch on that. Um, no, I'm, I'm still working. I'm so, you know, working through it myself, but just thinking about what comes out of contemplative practice and being more mindful. I know, uh, at least in Buddhism, I don't know, really know Buddhist, Buddhist take on, on art forms. I know that they do create, um, and there's Buddhist art, right. but just not art for the art's sake yeah. of, of creation. And I think you can you can see that in enslaved communities prior to the emancipation mm -hmm. um, and still in a lot of communities, right? Like we think about uh, a good example is like Italian shoemakers, right? They're creating art out of necessity, but it becomes this art yeah. form. And so um, in the same way, I think of the, just the experience of black liberation and enslavement in this country yeah. has produced so much art. And so yeah. it's sort of, it's, it's sort of fitting that it's at a museum. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I could, you know, for those of you who <laughs> listening who may have never heard me before, but for those of you listening who have heard me, I'm sure you know that I used to work at the Rubin Museum of Art, a museum of Himalayan artwork uh, here in New York City. Uh, so I'm was fully enmeshed in Buddhist art for a long time. And yeah, I'd get a lot of questions. I mean, the one thing that the one question that people would ask me a lot would be like, wait, I thought Buddhists were all about like not having material <laughs> possessions. Why are all these like sculptures and statues made of gold and like have these inlays of, uh, of semi-precious jewels and, and all this stuff And it's like, um, I'm like, okay, well, first of all, you're like idealizing what, what Buddhist practitioners actually right. do. And like, you know, if you've ever been to Asia, you know, you'll, you'll meet plenty of people that are Buddhists that aren't giving up their houses or their livelihoods or anything. Totally. Like so, but in my mind, how I always thought about it was like, these objects sustain through time, you know, um, mm -hmm. and like, and they support the teachings of Buddhism and through their aesthetic beauty, they bring people into the religion. And I, I feel like that is exactly what happened to me. And it took me years to even realize this. But when I went to Bhutan when I was 18, and, you know, for those of you who don't know, Bhutan's a little Himalayan country in between India and China now, used to be Tibet. But I fell in love being in the temples 
uh, surrounded by the artwork. And I just, I was just like, I just want to know what all of this stuff means, you know? And through that, I got started studying Buddhism and I got super into it. Uh, so I think the artwork, you know, particularly for Buddhist artwork, I think it serves as this, uh, amazing gateway, uh, into, into the teachings. Um, and yeah. And, and, and then like, in terms of like the sustaining of these pieces too, it's like, you know, I was giving tours, uh, on pieces that were, you know, from 800 years ago, you know, that were made in India. And I now, I mean, you know, we, <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't get into like the morality of like how these pieces got to America or anything like that. <laughs> Stolen, yeah, like enslaved I mean, people. Well, I know of one explanation that like, you know, this was the museum explanation. So like, but like, yeah, but <laughs> I mean, it's tough. It's tough with the Tibetan stuff because it is like a you know this community went into exile, right? And a lot of the times when they went into exile, they brought their you know they brought artwork and as valuables, and they sold. So they right. said that like when the when all these uh, the Tibetan diaspora began to happen, you know, a lot of this stuff ended up on the market, and you know, got to. Uh, america that way you know um you know it's it's a tough question for sure uh you know you know to, to but but despite how they may have ended up here you know just the fact that they did you know travel this far distance and you know now other people can benefit from their teachings you know like i think you know, I, I want to, I guess I want to put a little positive spit on that and not be too cynical about it. Yeah. I mean, also, I think just like talking to you about this, I'm thinking about it and I don't know much about, um, what is depicted in the Buddhist art, not, not a ton at least. And, but I think like most artists telling a story, yeah. right. And oh, yeah. if it's not directly depicting beings or entities being transformed into enlightenment is depicting that journey. Yeah, I mean, it, and yeah. so most art and most art is most arts telling a story, um, at, from any given point of time and it, whether it's music or it's paintings or sculpture, um, or any, any particular art form, I think is telling, uh, the story of the journey to liberation, right? Like this is when I think about say Louis Armstrong mm -hmm. or he's telling the particular point of liberation of say his experiences as, a, as, as, as a person, and it's being communicated in this in this way like that's that's his expression of liberation yeah. um in through music um but in that given point of time um on the journey so it could be like we're i don't know i'm also like layered with that i'm seeing like say a painting of um i don't know a deva or somebody mm -hmm. um in the forest who may not actually be uh at the point of liberation or enlightenment but on the right. way right um and that just happens to be what that may look like, um, or, um, what is it? A figurative representation of what that may look right. like, um, at that particular point, um, in the life journey. Yeah. I mean, it, it is, there's certainly storytelling is a big part of, of it. Um, and narrative paintings, um, especially mm -hmm. in temples, you'll often find like narrative paintings on the walls. 
Uh, but even like, you know, with this, you know, even if it's just the image of a deity, um, the one that's coming to my mind mm-hmm. is this deity named Vajrasattva. Um, and mm-hmm. what I like about him is that he's, he's kind of like the archetypal student. And he's like, he's the archetypal student energy that you like channel when you're starting a new practice. So often in Tibetan Buddhism, other forms of Buddhism too, but, but I think mostly in Tibetan Buddhism, they do a Vajrasattva practice to sort of like get Mm. them ready to like receive the teachings and things like that. So, so even if, you know, it doesn't depict a narrative, there's still, it depicts a being that, you know, represents something and represents, can represent a stage in the practice actually. And, uh, you know, through kind of interacting with that being. And again, I kind of like to think of these beings more as like, not that, I don't know, maybe Vajrasattva is somewhere out there, but like, (laughs) but like, you know, (laughs) not so much that there's somebody sitting out there named Vajrasattva, but like, he's more of like this energy an archetypal archetypal energy that we can like tap into when we uh uh when we need it um and and they just provide such these incredible symbols for for transformation and for liberation it's just uh mm-hmm. i've never yeah a few things have inspired me as much to practice as as the artwork itself so right and just also they're so beautiful it's just yeah. so beautiful i mean i love art in general uh no matter um the tradition but i well, this has made me much. think that, uh, you know, we'll definitely have to go to the Ruben together sometime because uh, yes. I could just talk forever about all this stuff. <laughs> you know, so, so let's do it. Uh, yeah, let's definitely plan to do that together sometime. Um, I love I love showing uh, people that place, even if they laid me off, but I still love it. <laughs> um, but why don't we... Uh, I know we're kind of running short on time, so we got to meditate. Mm-hmm. We got to. Yes, let's do it. I'm so, so excited. Uh, I will be guiding the meditation today because Brittany has been uh, performing, in my mind, quite the Herculean task of guiding six meditations over a weekend. Uh, so, like, mm. <laughs> so uh, we're going to give her a little bit of a break and, and I'm going to do my thing. And. I'm just trying to decide what I want to do. Uh, let's let's just focus on the breath. Can't go wrong with that. Yeah. No so way. for those of you who are joining us, um, of course, everyone listening is invited to join the meditation. So please take a comfortable seat. You can sit cross-legged on the ground if you'd like, or you can feel free to sit in a chair. I would just say if you're sitting in a chair, just make sure that your feet are firmly planted on the ground. And we're going to just place our awareness on our breath. So anywhere in the body where you feel the breath as you breathe, uh, you want to rest your awareness there. And then you keep resting your awareness there. And then you watch and you notice when you're distracted. And when you get distracted, you say, awesome. I'm so glad I got distracted because I get to put my my awareness back on the breath. (laughs) That's really what it's all about, looking for those moments of distraction. So uh, at the sound of the bell. Well, Brittany, are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. I thought we were starting. (laughs) Um, At the sound of the bell, that's when you know we'll start. So at the sound of the bell, we will begin. 
so now we will place our awareness on our breath. Just noticing how our breath feels right now in this moment. There's no need to breathe in any particular type of way. Just breathe how your body wants to breathe right now in this moment. And if thoughts or feelings arise and you're no longer watching your breath, just recognize that you have been distracted and bring the awareness back to the breath. And if thoughts or feelings arise and you're no longer watching your breath, just recognize that you've been distracted and bring your awareness back to the breath.
And if memories of the past or plans for the future arise and grab your attention, just recognize that you've been distracted and bring your awareness back to the breath. just a moment I will ring the bell ending our meditation session once I ring the bell I invite you to join me in a bow dedicating all the merit that we've accrued today to the benefit of all sentient beings Okay. Thank you. Thank you for practicing with me today. Uh, how did that feel? Good. I so appreciate okay. it. <laughs> no, I do. Thank you. I was like, wow, this is, I did have the thought. Um, I was thinking. No, no, it's um, okay. <laughs> uh, but quickly uh, returned to the breath, but that it just was really nice to participate as opposed to lead. So yeah, thank you. Of course, of course. And now I, I know you do need to run soon, um, but I just, again, want to thank you uh, for another amazing conversation. Uh, I, yeah, I've, yeah, this is just been so great getting to know you and uh and having these conversations i just really appreciated them same and you know i'm i will be i do have to jet but i will uh want to end on three things so that's okay. for the record you owe me a bioenergetic session possibly okay. you, don't owe me anything. <laughs> you don't owe me anything um but just so that it stands here that we we talked about this um and then also a trip to the roommate and a UFO yes, yes, we got it. And like, you know, okay. and like, I know, uh, well, you know, I'm, I'm going out of town in about a week, so, uh, we'll have to wait until I get back for all that, but I, I'm real, I'm yes. super excited, uh, to do all those things with you and, oh, great. and to meditate with you in the park and to come to the Brooklyn museum and meditate, uh, with everybody there on Juneteenth. And I think it's going to be the summer of meditation. <laughs> yes. I hope so. I'm very mindful, a mindful 2021. Summer. Yes. Yes. Um, so, so awesome. Thank you again, Brittany, so much. Um, Truly appreciate you. Truly appreciate everything that you're doing. And any final words before we wrap up? None. Just please, please, um, everyone be good to themselves and each other. Yes, please, please. Um, <laughs> and uh, remember, awareness is the key to liberation. Yes. So, Goodbye. yeah, thank you, everybody. And we'll catch you next time. Take care. 
This has been another episode of Meditating with Friends. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to learn more about my meditation teachings and programs, check out my website, jeremymcmindfulness.com. 